You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is your 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. In Auglaise County, near our border with Indiana, along Route 66 between Spencerville and St. Mary's, is a very short bridge that stretches over the Miami and Erie Canal. And if you're observant enough, you'll notice nearby a county park district sign that denotes the Bloody Bridge Trailhead and an etched granite memorial marker that gives a very brief account of why the span over the canal carries such a tragic name. Tonight, we're going to give you the story and the mystery of Bloody Bridge. This one goes way back to June of 1854, and a love triangle that doomed everyone involved. As the legend goes, there were two young men, Jack Billings and Bill Jones, and they were vying for the love of the same woman. Both men worked on the Miami and Erie Canal as mule drivers for the boats. Before we get on with the incident, I thought I'd share a little background information on Ohio's canals and the life of a mule driver, so you can imagine this story a little better. Canals, of course, are man-made. Back in the early and mid-19th century, it was far easier to move people and goods by water than trying to drag them through forested areas or over primitive roads. So these long waterways, which were dug out before there were railroads or paved streets, became Ohio's first thoroughfares. Since the canals were man-made, they didn't have a current, Canal boats had to be pulled by horses or mules. A couple of animals would be harnessed to the boat from a path that ran parallel to the canal, and the mules would tow them. That's where the term towpath comes from, the path for towing, something fans of the immensely popular towpath trail in Northeast Ohio should know. In the summer months after school was out, Canal boat owners would employ a lot of high school-aged mule drivers. We don't know how old Jack Billings and Bob Jones were. History didn't record their ages. But since this happened in June, it is at least entirely possible that they were teenagers. 
A typical day on the canal would begin at the crack of dawn. Each canal boat had a boat owner, and often the boat owner's wife or even his family, and they lived in a small cabin on the boat. They would employ the mule driver, whose job was to rouse the animals each morning and harness them for the day's work. Canal boats ferried passengers, but more often goods, and a round trip could take several days, depending on where they were going. Overnight stops would be made where there were large stables that could accommodate the animals. The drivers would wash and rub the animals down, then take a dip in the canal themselves, since generally that was the only water source around. The boatman and his family would spend the night in their boat's cabin. The mule drivers would often sleep on straw in the stable with the animals. After a hearty breakfast of coffee, bacon, eggs, and fried potatoes, often prepared by the boatman's wife in the canal boat's tiny cabin, they would continue on their journey. They would stop for lunch and usually finish the day around 6 or 7 p.m. A six-day work week was standard. Sunday was a day of rest. The mule drivers usually kept a nice pair of clothes on the boat for Sunday so they could dress up and go to town for church or a community dance or some other kind of local activity. Since two, three, or more boats would dock at the same spot each night, the mule drivers would get to know each other and socialize. And so it is said, that's how Jack Billings and Bill Jones came to be friends. In the summer of 1854, Jack Billings was working for a canal boat named Daisy, and Bill Jones worked for a vessel named Minnie Warren, named after the captain's beautiful daughter. Both men were infatuated with Minnie Warren, the woman, not the boat. Minnie traveled with her father, handling the cooking chores on the boat. Jack and Bill vied for her attention. At first, the rivalry was somewhat friendly, but then Minnie made her choice. She chose Jack, and the two began to date and openly demonstrated their love by blowing each other kisses as they passed each other along the canal. Bill was not a good sport about losing. On that fateful day in June of 1854, both the Daisy and the Minnie Warren arrived at the tiny village of Kasuth in Auglaise County's Salem Township. They were both under contract to haul wood for a lumberyard just south of Kasuth, and they were spending the night docked at the same point. Because the final loads of lumber were about to be shipped, the community was throwing a party to celebrate, and Jack took Minnie to the celebration. As they were returning to the canal late that night, They encountered an angry and possibly drunk Bill Jones. He was lying in wait, knowing they would have to cross the bridge to return to where the boat owners and their mule drivers would be sleeping. Bill met them on the bridge, carrying an axe, and in one sweeping arc of the weapon, decapitated Jack. Minnie went into the water. No one was sure if she fell in her panic or was pushed or bludgeoned into the fall. Either way, she died there, her lifeless body pulled from the canal by people who had responded to her scream. She and Jack were buried side by side. Bill Jones, meanwhile, fled the site and disappeared, and a search party failed to find him. Then, 
four years later, a skeleton was found in the bottom of a nearby well. The townspeople believed it to be Bill Jones. His cause of death was unknown, and it's a mystery as to whether he had committed suicide or met his fate at the hands of one or more people who delivered their own street justice. Now, I couldn't find any newspaper accounts of this event myself, so I don't know how accurate any of these details are, but the Glaze County Historical Society apparently was satisfied enough to erect the marker in 1976. According to some reports, Jack's blood stained the bridge for at least a couple of decades after his murder. The bridge, of course, has been replaced multiple times. Reportedly, when the original bridge was finally replaced, people traveled from miles around to collect a piece of it as a souvenir. Not surprisingly, the bridge has earned a reputation for being haunted. People have reported encountering a headless figure on the bridge. Others say that if you look over the bridge in June and into the water, you'll see the face of a woman looking back. That's it for our 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. May all of your mysteries have happy endings. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.